0: You are listening to Rabbi Arya Woolby of Torch in Houston, Texas. This is the Parsha Review podcast. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Parsha Review, my dear friends. It's so wonderful to be back here. This week's Parsha is a double portion. We have Parshas Vayakel and we have Parshas Pekude. On the podcast, we're going to separate these two. So, welcome to Parshas Vayakel. It is the tenth portion in the Book of Exodus and the twenty-second portion since the beginning of the Torah, there are 122 verses, 1,558 words, and 6,181 letters. There's one prohibition in this week's Parsha, and this week's Parsha is also known as Parsha's HaChodesh, the Parsha that precedes the month of Nisan, which we're going to talk about in a separate segment. So as you remember, two weeks ago and three weeks ago, in Parsha's... Teruma and Tetzavah, we were commanded in what God wants us to do with regards to building the tabernacle, the instructions were given, and then about the assembly, the fabrication of the garments of the Kohen Gadol. In Vayaka, we're going to construct those elements of the tabernacle, and then in Pekude, we're going to put together the garments of the priestly garments as commanded previously. So Moshe gathers the Jewish people and repeats the commandment from Hashem. Shabbos, work six days, but rest on the seventh. Do not do creative labor or ignite a fire on Shabbos. We're going to talk more about this in the important lessons because this is a very, very focal point of the Jewish people. We're going to see a lot about this. The Jewish people are solicited to donate to the temple a teruma, a contribution, gold, silver, and copper, turquoise, purple and scarlet wool, red-dyed skins, tachash skins and acacia wood, oils for illumination, spices for the anointing oil, and the aromatic incense, shoham stones and stones for setting, for the ephod and for the breastplate. Volunteers who are wise-hearted are called to volunteer and construct the tabernacle. The people whose heart and spirit has motivated them donated each of the categories of which they had, and leaders, the leaders of each tribe, donated the expensive stones. Design leaders are selected, Bitzalel for the gold, silver, copper, and stones, and Ahaliyah for the fabrics. They donated daily, the people donated, the Jewish people donated daily till Moshe commanded them to stop bringing gifts to the temple, and there was also extra, and we'll see what the extra was used for. Bitzal and Ahaliev began their work with a skilled volunteer craftsman. Special curtains and coverings were created with twisted linen and blue, purple, and crimson wool with two different covers, ram and tachash skins designed for the Mishkan's roof and door. Walls with acacia wood and gold covering boards in silver bases, the Adanim, were created, Bitzal made the holy ark, which contained the tablets from gold, wood, and gold. The ark's cover had the keruvim, the cherubs, that were the two figures facing each other, made of solid gold. The menorah and the table, which was designated for the showbread, were crafted out of pure gold. Two altars were made, a small incense altar of wood, overlaid with gold, and a larger altar for sacrifices made of wood, Covered with copper. And then the copper laver wash basin, which was made from the copper mirrors donated by the Jewish women. They didn't have the glass mirrors like we had, but they would have shiny copper that they would use uh, the reflection as a mirror. And that, that's what the women donated. And then the courtyard and the screen were created as well. So that's the, the basic summary of this week's Parsha. But now let's look into the important lessons in Parsha's Vayakil. Noting the juxtaposition of the Mishkan and watching over the Shabbos again. The essence of the Jewish people is the Shabbos. What is the purpose of Shabbos? What is the purpose of the tabernacle? What is the purpose of the entire Torah? Is to build a relationship with God. The entire purpose, my dear friends, the entire purpose of our existence on this earth is to build our relationship with Hashem. Hashem gives us 613 vehicles through which we can connect and elevate our relationship with God. Shabbos is the most fundamental vehicle through which we connect with Hashem, where we take time off, where we relax from everything that we're busy with all week and we focus on our relationship with Hashem. That is the purpose of our creation. That is the purpose of this world. Hashem is going to send us many challenges. Hashem is going to give us many different trials and tribulations. But through the observance of Shabbos, by the way, the the tabernacle, what was its purpose? To bring us closer to Hashem. Why, if someone sinned, they'd bring an offering. Every day there was an offering to elevate the Jewish people. Every holiday there were offerings. Every festival. Think of Sukkot. There were 70 different offerings brought why? One for each nation. Because if a nation sinned, it's because we weren't a good example. The Jewish people need to be the good example. If we're not a good example, that's why they sinned. So we brought the offering. We take that responsibility seriously. But the goal and the purpose of our life is to connect to the Almighty and to elevate our relationship every day. Therefore, the Torah says something which seems to be frightening and seems to be a little bit off-kilter here. It says, Those who violate the Shabbos will be put to death. A little severe. So, I don't think, except for the time of Moshe in the desert, I don't think there was ever a time where someone was actually put to death for violating the Shabbos. So why does the Torah say this? And the Torah doesn't say it once. The Torah says it multiple times, that if someone violates the Shabbos, They're going to be put to death. Sages tell us something very, very, very interesting and very frightening. The most important element that keeps the Jewish people together is the Shabbos. Meaning that if someone violates the Shabbos, what's the result of it? It's the death of the people. It's the death of their generations. It's the death of their lineage. And we see throughout history our grandparents and our great-grandparents and our great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandparents did everything in the world to sanctify the day of Shabbos. They lost their jobs. They lost their careers. They lost their livelihood. For what? For their dedication to Shabbos. And when we observe the Shabbos and when we sanctify the day of Shabbos and we make it holy and we make it special, that brings life to the Jewish people. That brings life to our descendants the more special we can make the Shabbos. The more enriched our life will become, the more enriched the life of our children will become. So this is another encouragement from the Torah that we should pursue life. We should pursue the continuity of the Jewish people through the observance of Shabbos. And we see very, very sadly that the lighter Shabbos became in the eyes of the people over the years, for example, you can take the last 100 years or the last 200 years, very, very sadly, there are these various movements in Jewish faith that separated themselves from Shabbos. And what was the result? The death of those people in their Jewish existence. And that's what the Torah is saying. We're going to bring our own demise when we distance ourselves from Shabbos. So again, this encouragement from the Torah, Shabbos is the most beautiful day, a day where we don't need to worry about anything, where the Torah promises us that we can even borrow on the Almighty's account. You don't have money to make Shabbos special for, to have your steak dinner Friday night? Guess what? Hashem says, alive You can borrow it on me. It's such a special day. It's like the children coming to their parents and they're like, I want to come visit, but I, but I can't. What do the parents say? Just, just come visit. I want to see you. I'll cover the expenses. Hashem says, Come, spend time with me on Shabbos. I'll cover the expenses. And this is a guarantee. This is one of the times that we're allowed to test God, to see that he will recover that expense that we laid out for Shabbos. I just want to share with you one more insight. Do not light a fire on Shabbos. So the commentaries explain that what does that mean? The fire of the Satan, the fire of anger. Why? Because the Satan comes every Friday and says, I want to make a quarrel people who are in peace with their spouses all week. Friday is a time where the, where the Yetzirah makes a quarrel. Why? Sages tell us a very unbelievable thing. All week we think that the blessing that we have of livelihood comes from the hard work that we work from Sunday through Friday. But that's not true. The Satan knows that the secret of livelihood, of success comes from Shabbos. And he knows that there's nothing that brings blessing to the people greater than peace. So what does he do? He tries to make a quarrel. He tries to make fights, which is a great time when all the people come to shul and then you know you have different arguments and different disagreements that can arise and or in people's homes where we're preparing for Shabbos, we're cooking, there's things that need to get cleaned, things that need to get done. And this is a time where the Satan comes and throws in a fire. He throws in a fire. Lo sevau our sages tell us, don't let the fire get ignited. The fire of anger. Don't let it take hold of you so that it doesn't ruin, God forbid, the livelihood. It should have the success. It should have all the blessing because there's peace in the home. So obviously, the blessing for all of us is that we take this teaching from the Torah. Lo sevau don't allow the fire to take hold and keep the peace. Recognize that this is the Satan. This is the Satan trying to ignite us. And let's not take his bait. So what did your donation go for? We know that we just learned in this week's parsha that the donations were brought by the Jewish people. But you know what? I want my donation, my gold, my silver. I want it to go for the altar. I want it to go for the menorah. I want it to go for this. I want it to go for that. What was it going to go for? I say, just tell us something very, very important. It went based on your intention, on the heart that was involved with it. If you gave it with all your heart, with all the love, with all the devotion, commitment, and dedication, then it went for the holiest causes. Because nobody wants to pay with the electric bill. You think of it for a synagogue, for an institution. Who wants to give money for the toilet paper? Who wants to give money for the, you know, for the hand towels? I want to give money for the Torah scroll. I want to give money for the most important parts. Guess what? It was designated by the intention. Who who knew the intention? Hashem knew the intention. Exactly that gold earring that the woman took off to give to the temple, she gave it with all of her heart. She says, I don't want it for me to look beautiful. I want it for the temple to be beautiful. And I'm going to give it even though this is my favorite, favorite, piece of jewelry. But when they gave it with all of their heart, it was known by Hashem and specifically that earring set was then put to the menorah or to the table or to the ark. But the people who gave it begrudgingly, people who gave it, well, I don't want to be the only one who doesn't donate, even though nobody was obligated to, give out of the goodness of your heart. Someone who gave it begrudgingly went for other things. We also see that every single penny, as we'll see in next week's Torah portion, Pikudei, every single penny was accounted for. Every single piece of gold, silver, copper, all of the wool, all, everything was accounted for. We'll see shortly. Now, the name of the princes in chapter 35, verse 27, Nisi'im is spelled usually with at least one Yud. But In this week's Torah portion, we see that the Nisi'im, their name, was lacking the Yud. Now, we know the Yud represents Hashem's name. So why was it lacking the Yud? Why did Hashem take his name out of their name? Our sages tell us because the Nisi'im lacked a very fundamental trait, a very important Jewish trait, and that is the trait of alacrity, to be swift to fulfill a mitzvah. When an opportunity knocks, run and take care of it. Do it immediately. Sages tell us that when the opportunity came to donate the niseum the heads of the tribes, they said, we're going to take our time now. We're not going to donate it yet. Let everybody else donate their stuff. And then whatever's left over, probably the expensive stuff, that will donate. Hashem knows the intentions of the heart. And because the Nisim, the leaders of the tribes were lazy, they weren't rushing to do the mitzvah. There was an element of laziness. Hashem says, take my name out of their name. And the Yud is lacking. This is so important for us to realize and to remember that when a mitzvah knocks on your door, jump to do the mitzvah. Don't say, well, I'll see later on. You know, that, that we have many excuses that come our way. Many great excuses. The Torah urges us, don't make excuses. Jump on the opportunity when it comes your way. Don't be like the Nisim, even though, again, they donated the gemstones for the breastplate. It was the most expensive part. But still, it was lacking in the excitement to fulfill that mitzvah. And therefore, the Yud was taken away from their name. A very important lesson. We see that the half shekel is what represented the counting of each Jew. The very quick little Hasidic idea. Why a half shekel? Why can't there be a full shekel? Because a Jew alone is not complete. You need to be combined with another Jew. You need to put yourself together with another Jew to make yourself complete. We know that the Talmud tells us the importance of marriage. A man is is nothing without a spouse. You're a half shekel. You want to become a one shekel? Get together with your spouse. A Jew alone on an island? How can you? You have no minion. You have no one to pray with. You have no one to learn with. We're only a half shekel when we're alone. Put yourself together with another Jew. Get together. Have brotherhood. Have friendship. And that makes you complete. The ark contained the broken tablets. We know that the ark was crafted in this week's Torah portion. It contained the broken tablet pieces from the first set of tablets, the second tablets that Moshe brought down from Mount Sinai, made of sapphire and handcrafted by Moshe, a complete Torah scroll, the 13th Torah written by Moshe before he died, a portion of manna, and Aaron's miraculous staff was placed right in front of the ark. Okay, and the menorah needed to be of one Solid piece of gold, not combinations. So I've said this numerous times that the menorah represents the Jewish people. You see, in the middle of the menorah was the shamash, and then there were three wings, let's call it, or three branches on each side. And those three branches that went to each side represented the entire Jewish people. They had to be equal in height. You can't have, if you look at your Hanukkah menorah as well. They all have to be the same height. You can't have one higher or one lower or one higher. You know, it could be a nice design, but it's not a kosher menorah. Why? Because it, the menorah represents the entire Jewish people and no Jew is higher than another. The menorah in the temple had seven, six on the sides, three on each side and one in the middle. And the menorah that we have on Hanukkah, because we have an eight, day of, eight days of Hanukkah, we have four on each side and one in the middle. But always the menorah had all of them on the same height, except for the shamash, which, which was higher. The shamash represents the Almighty. The Almighty is elevated above us, but nobody else is elevated above anyone else. And we have to remember that even if one is privileged to have a lot of wisdom, Someone is privileged to grow up in an observant home. Someone is privileged to have certain customs from their family that are righteous and holy. It doesn't make you better. Every Jew comes from a different place, and every Jew has a different calling. And we need to recognize that we're all on the same level. How do we see that? The menorah needs to be made not of separate pieces that are molded together. No, 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 no. It's all out of one solid piece of gold. And by the way, Moshe, after they tried, after the craftsmen tried to make the menorah out of one piece of gold and to carve it out, couldn't do it. Moshe tried it, couldn't do it. Hashem says, you know, just take the whole piece of gold, throw it into the fire, and I'm going to make it for you. We have to understand the unity of the Jewish people is represented by the menorah. I think it's very apropos that the sign of the Israeli government is a menorah. It represents the entire Jewish people, not only the temple. It represents, it brings light to the world when we're united. And that's what we need to be. We need to be focused on unity. And that we see from the menorah, that it needed to be from one piece, not separate pieces that are molded together and soldered together. Then we see the keruvim, the cherubs. The two figures facing each other on top of the ark, they were reflecting the status of the Jewish people. And we have to remember this. The Jewish people are held accountable. When we were friends with one another, when we were loving to one another, these two figures were facing each other. Oh, Havim Zezer, they were loving one another. But when we turned away from God, when we turned away from one another, they turned to the opposite direction miraculously showing the Jewish people something was wrong here. And us, in the same theme we said previously regarding the menorah, Hashem wants us close to Him. What's the way in which we accomplish that? Be close to one another. Not in a superficial friendship, in a caring, loving way, in a caring, devoted way. And then we see the constant reminder in this week's parasha, last week's parasha, the one before that and the one before that, where we're talking about the craftsmen who are skilled laborers in a specific area, Hashem reminds us the skills that were gifted to them by God. No one is gifted on their own. We get the gifts, we get get the talents, we get all of our abilities from Hashem. This is a reminder that someone should never, ever, ever be arrogant. Someone should never, ever be pompous and feel like they are above anyone else. Because don't forget, every talent that you were gifted with isn't yours. It's God's that he gave you on loan. Use it or lose it. Hashem gives us gifts for us to use, not to be proud of. Not to take pride like this is mine, it belongs to me. It's a gift. Hashem should bless us all. That by learning this part of, of Vayakhel, we should grow in our connection, in our commitment, in our dedication to Hashem and to His service through the observance of the Torah. Amen. Have a great Shabbos, my dear friends.